Welcome to this bonus episode of uh, What Just Happened. Um, this is the audio version of the blog that we put out uh, yesterday, which is taking a deep dive into the situation we found ourselves in the UK where uh, some people are making a huge amount of money out of selling PPE to the government. Uh, we're having a look at that. So if you're listening to us here, chances are you're probably a fan of podcasts. Uh, you might even be tempted to start one, seeing that as we've had the lockdown situation and possibly another one coming up now, it's good fun. Definitely cliched, but hey, it's cool. You might have something you need to say. It's really easy to get started. We use a platform called Buzzsprout. Um, it's pretty cheap. There's even a free version to get you uh, having a little play around. It'll get you automatically onto all of the uh, platforms like Google Podcasts, Shopify, um, iTunes, all the platforms that you use to listen to your podcasts. If you use the link in the podcast uh, t- description below the show notes, um, you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up to a paid plan. So why not just give it a go it's good fun so um i'll shut up and here's the podcast procurement i'm sure like me even the mention of the word gets your engines revving finally something we can all get excited about people all across the world all races sexualities political leanings joining together unified by that beautiful word i jest of course procurement especially the public variety, is not sexy. It's inescapably unsexy. It's unashamedly dull. It's the overboiled cabbage of governmental activity. So mind-bogglingly uninteresting that if one were to be asked at a dinner party, what do you do? And one responded, I'm in public procurement. Your companions would start talking about their self-assessment tax returns and obscure VAT rules and preference. And it's this characteristic that makes me argue that it's perhaps one of the most dangerous elements of a mature democracy, and even more so uh, developing ones. Uh, It's extraordinarily hard to get anybody excited about the ins and outs of the systems controlling public procurement, and so consequently also hard to hold anybody to account. It's not as if the Sun and the Daily Star are going to choose to sell papers with a detailed expose of closed tender contracts when they could otherwise focus on another case of parliamentary boffing. And yet we should be incredibly interested in where our hard-earned tax is eventually getting spent, whose pockets it's lining, and how the rules are ever so gently being massaged. And that's how we find ourselves here, nine months or so into the first pandemic of the century, and crucially the first pandemic of the digital age, needing desperately to examine where all the money is going. After all, it's going to be those of us in gens X, Y and Z that are going to bear the economic brunt of paying all this money back for the longest period of time. The National Audit Office will release full reports into the concerns that have been raised so far in late 2020. Uh, And whilst we sit on the edge of our seats awaiting that particular publication, uh, I thought it would be interesting to have a look at a bit of background and some standout moments, the sort of greatest hits of shocking cronyism, if you will. Um, Public procurement tenders are an extraordinarily uh, bureaucratic process. The government body acting as a purchaser must ensure it's getting good value for money and do extensive due diligence on those it's entering into a contract with, for obvious reasons. These normal processes are not well suited to an emergency such as a pandemic when decisions must be made rapidly um, and, and thus these rules can be suspended when necessary. So on the 18th of March, the Cabinet Office distributed a notice to all public contracting authorities setting out guidance for how procurement can be fast-tracked in this situation. Tendering processes could be skipped uh, due to extreme urgency or due to absence of competition or protection of exclusive rights. It makes perfect sense at its core. It would be unthinkably stupid to jump through bureaucratic hoops to procure an item with only one supplier during a pandemic. Uh, What just happened wrote extensively at the time about the mess of these first few months in our weekly newsletters. 
uh, partly because we experienced it firsthand. Um, businesses across the UK launched straight into action, producing desperately needed supplies such as hand sanitizer, scrubs, masks, pretty much anything else you can imagine. And at first, things seemed to go quite well. Individual NHS trusts reacted rapidly uh, to take on unknown suppliers. Uh, and then one day, the phones all went silent. So that was on the 1st of May when the DHSC, the Department for Health and Social Care, central, centralised procurement of key medical supplies, including all PPE. So that's your personal protective equipment, masks, gloves, vocals, whatever. Existing stocks and contracts all became the property of central government, uh, who would then handle it for, from there on. Except it wasn't actually our elected overlords uh, who were in control. The government had uh, had subcontracted the role to consult accountancy firm uh, Deloitte, who set up a cell within the cabinet office. Probably nothing to do with cabinet minister Chloe Smith having been a consultant to Deloitte or numerous other links. After this point, those of us with supplies available were uniformly told that they weren't needed. Uh, meanwhile, any conversation with clinical staff revealed a desperate need for any PPE that they could get their hands on. Um, I know of many cases where NHS and care staff were reliant on businesses circumventing procurement and the businesses' needs to actually make ends meet and make some money uh, by donating supplies directly at the goods in entrances of hospitals. Um, the government opened up a web portal inviting suppliers to let them know what could be made available, um, but it seems that most of those responses were completely ignored. Contracts were being awarded, though, and some of these received extraordinary publicity, like the 400,000 gowns that were flown in from Turkey by the RAF after much delay and much mutual backpatting from ministers, only to then all quietly be rejected as unfit for use. Most, though, were kept quiet, uh, and many are only having the details publicised now. So I should note at this point that, thankfully, I had to do little in the way of digging and, and hard lifting, uh, to get the, the following examples. People like uh, the Good Law Project, um, hard at work, led by the infamous um, Joe Morn, who'll uh, always be remembered better for um, famously beating a fox to death in the early morning light wearing his dressing gown and then inadvisedly tweeting about it. So have you heard of PPE MedPro? It's pretty unlikely, uh, since it was only incorporated in mid-May with a standard £100 statement of capital. Um, its owner is a, a guy called Anthony Page, who the same day as he established PPE MedPro, quit his role as company secretary of the business that manages the brand of Baroness Moan, the conservative peer Baroness Moan. Um, Page is also finance director at Knox Group, which owns a company called Lancaster Knox LLP, uh, an outfit that specialises in handling tax fraud investigations and has donated £221,000 to the Conservative Party. 44 days later, PPE MedPro, who had no experience, were awarded an unadvertised and uncompetitive contract for £122 million for the supply of medical gowns. So how about Crisp Websites Limited? It's a small company, generally trades under the brand PestFix and occasionally Pigeon Stop. Um, last year, it reported assets of £18,000. We can assume, though, that its owners certainly do have the asset of having the Midas Touch, seeing as they've been awarded a total of, so far... £313.7 million worth of uncontested contracts for various PPE, some £168.5 million worth of which was turned out to be unusable. Uh, luckily, our ever-benevolent government believes in seventh chances, so they paid them up front more than £32 million for a shipment of coveralls. And astonishingly, more contracts have been awarded which haven't been made public yet. 
I, personally, I'm wondering which bank lends a company with assets of 18,000 enough capital to, to deliver on these contracts. Uh, if anybody finds out who that is, um, I've got a bridge they might like to buy. Um, Pesfix actually, interestingly, held a crowdfunder in early April to raise a few thousand pounds to buy a good to donate to the P, uh, to, to ANHS. Um, within the crowdfunder, which has now been deleted, um, they admitted to never having supplied medical PPE before. So Pesfix have been one of the benefactors of a remarkable spurt of purchasing, o- purchasing overalls, or coveralls rather, I should say. Uh, the government won't say how many they've bought, but estimates based on the total spend and the cost per unit puts it at around 29 million. And for reference, so far, since the beginning of the crisis in March, the NHS has only needed 500,000. Um, the items that have been tested have been tested to a substandard level by a substandard lab. Um, of those that have been tested and aren't just sat in a warehouse uh, completely unused. The largest beneficiaries of the uh, coveralls gold rush um, are an interior design company which specialises in designing offices uh, called Unispace, which have received contracts for £239 million worth. So the other lucky, lucky bastards, and excuse it's a list here, is uh, P14 Medical. So that's a loss-making company owned by a Tory councillor, £156 million worth of contracts. Cargo Services Far East Limited, can't find anything about them, £106 million contracts. Uh, Medicine Box Limited, a micro company with assets of £40,000, £40 million contracts. Initia Ventures Limited, um, a dormant company with £100 in assets, £32.5 million contract. SG Recruitment UK Limited, it's a recruitment company, which is currently under audit, uh, £23.9 million contracts. Tower Supplies, which isn't, as far as I can see, even a legal entity of any sort, £40.5 million contracts. And Cal Media Group Limited, um, which is a digital media agency, a £19.5 million contract. To maintain impartiality, I should point out the cash grabbing doesn't seem to have been limited to those with Conservative Party affiliations. Uh, so Christopher Evans, a Labour Party donor who was arrested in 2007 in the uh, Cash for Honours scandal, um, is chairman of a company called Excalibur Healthcare. Um, the Isle of, May- Isle of Man-based company sourced £135 million worth of ventilators for the NHS at the bargain price of just £50,000 per unit. The same ventilators which it had been selling three weeks earlier at £8,800 per unit. So lucky then that the government has an anti-corruption champion. Uh, the chap in question is uh, MP John Penrose. That's John Penrose who's married to Baroness Dido Harding, uh, the former CEO of TalkTalking Conservative Peer, who now somehow has become responsible for the ever-increasing failure that is the test and trace system, the £12 billion failure. The £12 billion failure that last week briefly accidentally made an advert public for a £2,000-a-day role uh, as VP of operations to try and sort out some of their useless call centres. So the most astonishing part of this story is, is I could literally keep going on for page after page after page, but at this point your eyes have glazed over and I'm in the corner in a fetal position vomiting with rage. When all of this comes to a head, it'll be fascinating to see where the line is drawn between incompetence and simple fraud and embezzlement, because this shit stinks, and this is only what's been gleaned from public record documents. It's horrifying to think of profit being skimmed from the public purse during a pandemic by a well-connected minority, whilst the same government won't fund free school meals. Uh, but where the smoke, there's usually fire, and right now this looks like a warehouse full of untested, poorly manufactured fire purchased from the chance of fire eaters who know the mayor of Fireville. 
So if you want to find out a little bit more about this, there's a huge number of links um, and all the documents we back up this on our website and blog at whatjusthappened.news. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at WJHblog and of course here on Instagram um, at whatjusthappenedblog. Um, and just to give you a little bit of, of, of bonus to uh, the blog, which we've already covered, um, going well into the uh, area of opinion here, uh, I, it's interesting to see what's happened here because I, I'm trying to work out where it's incompetence and where it does look like fraud because there are elements of this that I suspect are just that people who don't know what they're doing have been put in charge of procuring things. Uh, I suspect that in some of these cases, you know, a 21-year-old PPE graduate from Deloitte has been put in charge of trying to buy gowns, for example, and some chances have come along who can drop shit something. I mean, every, anybody can go to Alibaba and find somebody in uh, China or Hong Kong, Indonesia, who's willing to, to sell you, you know, bulk shipment of medical gowns at what, of what standard is questionable. And I suspect that's what some of these companies have done. But where it starts to get a little bit more um, potentially negligent is the fact that, you know, a lot of these companies don't have the assets to purchase them. They don't have the assets to get a bank loan to purchase them. So that would imply that they've been paid upfront by the government for these purchases. So in that case, the government has paid upfront to an unknown company with very, very minimal assets for goods that they didn't know the quality of. And, and in most cases has turned out to be unusable. Um, and to the sum of millions and millions and millions of pounds. And that's where it starts to sort of switch from incompetence to gross criminal negligence, quite frankly. Anyway, there's a, there's a whole bunch of potential legal cases coming out of this. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. So um, follow us on the social medias and whatevers. And um, if you've, you've got any interesting that you'd like to say about this, get in touch and um, let's, have a, let's have a debate about it. Thanks for uh, listening. Thanks so much for listening to that. If you want to find out more, as I uh, said in the audio, you can uh, go to the What Just Happened News, uh, What Just Happened dot News blog, and you can find all the links and um, some of the graphics to go along with side some of what we've been talking about. And you can find out all the see the contracts firsthand if you really want to do that for whatever reason. Um, and as we said at the beginning, why not have a go at hosting a podcast yourself? Buzzsprout is absolutely brilliant. They're very passionate about getting you going and helping you succeed. There's a hundred thousand podcasters using Buzzsprout already. Um, and if you use the link in the show notes below, you will get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid flat plan. Why not give it a go? And hey, it'll support us because, you know, it costs money. <laughs> These hard times. Uh, thanks and uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs>